What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers. And we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. Every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people. And each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people and another 10. We did not know each other. And we could not speak to each other because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. I refer first to the need for far greater public information. To the need for far greater official secrecy. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if we could have figured out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, it didn't happen. And here we are. You're wrong. Are you better off than you were four years ago? When I hear your new ideas, I'm reminded of that ad. Where's the beat? They're looking for help. They're looking for help. They're not looking for more of the same. When people lose their jobs, there's a good chance I'll know them by their names. When a factory closes, I know the people who ran it. When the businesses go bankrupt, I know them. Well, Governor, we also have fewer forces and bayonets because the nature of our military has changed. We have these things called aircraft carriers where planes land on them. And when we get enough money, honey, we'll bring you down. But their children were saved. And their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Jerusalem, whole, united, eternal, and holy. That was the spirit of 67. Has that spirit been realized, do you think? First of all, I think that this is the start of the most big lie in the history of the state of Israel. The facts are that the city is not united. You can just walk on the streets of East Jerusalem and compare it to West Jerusalem to understand that we live in two different planets. 33% of the population in Jerusalem, the the Arabs one, they get just 10% of the municipal budget. The meaning is that there is segregation. It's it's not another word. To say that there is a a, a racism in the municipal policy is not easy for me. That is the truth. In 1967, one of the Palestinian areas annexed by the Israelis was Shurfat, which included a UN refugee camp. The route of the new security wall will soon surround it, cutting it off completely from the city. I was taken to see what life was like there today. What about the rubbish here, uh, Kadim? Hmm? Who picks up this rubbish? When? Uh, God knows. <laughs> when? Uh, it's supposed to be collected by uh, the municipality. Yeah. yeah. But you can see it for uh, weeks here, and uh, many times the people, they burn it. it just, and it became a very bad... Uh, Smell. Yeah. This is all the camp here, is it? This is yeah. 20,000 people living here. Yeah, right? living in this area. And very crowded houses. Uh, you can see it. <laughs> and, uh, there is no space to get uh, air. But these people 
Most of them will have jobs, most of them will not have jobs. Uh, most of them they don't have uh, jobs, don't have most of uh, them they just... Uh, and the, here's the wall going down here. Yeah, and if you... Uh, and then all the way around there. Yeah. And into the distance. And the wall, the wall. So here we have 20,000, maybe more people crammed into this space. Yeah. No living room, playground. No. No ability to get into Jerusalem except through checkpoints for an hour and a half. And what, 300 meters the other side is a large Jewish settlement where people have four times the salary, yeah. ready access to Jerusalem, plenty of space, space to grow, hospitals, schools, services. Here, no hospitals, no schools, no services, no job. No job. No, no, li no living space, no home. No. And this thing won't help yeah. you. In the end, it won't help you. They may think it will, but it won't. The job of a government is to serve all its people. Does the city council serve all its people equally? No. From a legal point of view, Palestinians are not citizens like me, like the Jewish. They are just residents. And this is a very vulnerable status. So from the start, the Palestinians are not in the same level. Until 1976, the Israelis allowed Palestinians to build houses quite freely in this area. But when the Palestinian numbers began to grow, the municipality clamped down with some ridiculous consequences. Now we will uh, enter this house. We still uh, moved in in uh, the municipality borders of Jerusalem. So these steps are in Jerusalem? We are still in Jerusalem. And therefore we're in Israel? Yeah. Yeah. Now we enter to the West Bank. But how does the man living in here get into his house? He gets it from Jerusalem. <laughs> and uh, for that they arrest him. Uh, so he doesn't have permission to use? Uh, he doesn't have a permission. Officially he doesn't have a permission. They arrest him from his house. And so stop, stop, stop. In order to get into his house, yeah. the only way in is through Israel. through Israel. But he doesn't have a right to go into Israel. In 2004, around 2 a.m., we were awakened by the Israeli police knocking on the door. I was arrested, along with my cousins and my neighbors. During the interrogation, the police officer told me this area was in Israel. But I told him... I'd been living here since 1972. He replied that although my house was located in the West Bank, the steps were in Israeli territory. Therefore, the policeman said, every time that I entered my house, I needed a permit from the Israeli police. So every time you come up your own front steps, you are officially breaking the law. Yes. So every time we go in or out of the house, we are officially breaking the law as far as the police are concerned. And when we use those steps to try and visit that house over there, we are officially breaking the law. Uh, but just I want to confirm. First, the Israelis gave you permission to build this house. No. Yes. They gave me permission for that. Secondly, having given you permission... You can't have permission now to go into your own house through your own front steps without breaking the law. Yes, for sure. It's a mad world. 
Ode now has a permit to enter his house, but it only lasts for three months and can be taken away at any time. One of the most brutal aspects of Israeli policy in Palestinian East Jerusalem is house demolition. Israeli planning laws now make it almost impossible for Palestinians to obtain a building permit. So, in order to accommodate their growing families, many are forced to build illegally. Five years ago, Abu Jamal wanted to build a house for his family on land which he owned. He was refused a permit, but he built it anyway. Jamal, how many people in your family? Five. And you're not allowed to live in your own house. We've been told to close the house by the end of this month. Jerusalem City Council has ordered Jamal to prepare the house for demolition. He now lives in a tent in the garden. How will you sleep? Your wife and yourself here? The two boys over there and we sleep here and my daughter over there. Jamal, how do you feel about this? We are all frustrated. We have paid a lot of money to the council, to the architect and the lawyers, and it's all been a complete waste. No doubt I don't understand all the intricacies of this situation, um, but it is, in its effect, as you see here, inhuman. It is stupid. It is generating in the hearts of these people an implacable hate. And I wonder and I worry where that will end. There is only one word for a policy like this, and it is racism masquerading as bureaucracy. The intention is very simple. It is to ensure that the Palestinian community, who have lived in Jerusalem for centuries, maybe even for millennia, are now driven from their land by a bureaucracy that is discriminatory and inhumane. Just down the road, I came across an extraordinary sight, a man demolishing his own house. Mohammed, you live in this house? This I, is your house? This is my house, but I don't live here yet now. <laughs> but you the, see, I, I, I take all uh, of the building down from. And what is your job? I, I'm, uh, I work as a nurse in the hospital. And now they, you have to demolish your uh, own yeah, house? I have to demolish. But I, I chose to demolish by myself and not to pay more money for, for him to demolish. Because if the authorities come here and pull down this house, you will have to pay for demolition? Yeah. And how much would that be? They told me at last time that I have to pay 160,000 chicken. The Israeli government requires these illegal builders to pay to have their houses demolished, as much as 20,000 pounds a time. I'm sad and angry also, because we pay all our, all our life, we pay for this country. They don't give us anything. Is there hope? Can you see hope? No. No hope. No hope. For me, no. Good luck. Thanks a lot. All the best. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. In 2004, although there were more than 5,500 planning violations in Jewish West Jerusalem, only 13 houses were demolished. 
But in Palestinian East Jerusalem, less than 1,400 violations led to 114 houses being destroyed, almost nine times as many. Jerusalem's problems are often seen as a battle between just Jews and Arabs. But there are Christians here too. And, as I found, in the crazy world of Christian politics, there may just be a solution to one of the city's biggest problems. Every Easter, thousands of foreign Christians travel to Jerusalem to witness the passion of Christ. In huge parades through the old city, they relive the central story of Christianity, the last days of Jesus, when he was arrested, paraded through the streets, and crucified. But today, Jerusalem's Palestinian Christians are in crisis. Their numbers are dwindling, their power is waning, and they are riven by scandal. Two years ago, the largest Palestinian Christian denomination in Jerusalem, the Greek Orthodox Church, was struck by a devastating scandal. It involved the selling of prime Palestinian land to Jewish developers. The secret sale of one of the old city's most prominent landmarks, the Imperial Hotel. So, Mr. Jari, what's been done here? Tell me this. Uh, tell me the story of, of, of what happened with this hotel. You know, unfortunately, uh, I woke up. It was on uh, March 18th, 2005. A phone call from the Israeli broadcast and saying, Mr. Dajani, had a glass of water and sit down. And then he told me, your hotel has been sold. I said, what? He said, yes, this is the latest Marif issue. Go down and buy the newspaper. Thank you for listening to Public Access America, produced by Public Access Pod. You can find Public Access America on Twitter at Public Access Pod. Discover great new playlists on SoundCloud at Public Access America. Discover our catalog of vintage videos on YouTube at Public Access America. And finally, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to your favorite shows. This has been Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making.